Hey, before you go, just want to say my book, Graduation Day, Life Lessons from the Real World, is now available on Amazon. You know, the concept of the book comes from when I graduated college and I wasn't impressed about my commencement speaker and what he had to say. And I said, I had some life experiences. Let me go back in time to a proverbial time machine and tell younger me things I learned as an adult. I share stories about the time where I almost died riding a motorcycle or the time where I had no money but decided to do a wedding in Italy, DJ a wedding in Italy to save my business and much, much more. Graduation Day, Life Lessons from the Real World is available on Amazon. Just look for me at Flobo Voice. Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. New Amsterdam Radio starts now. What's going on, citizens? Welcome back to the mayor's office. Flobo Boy's here, just hanging, doing these uh, paperworks. Uh, you know, the, the less glamorous part about doing the thing that we do. Uh, and I totally understand how that's not fun, but you're still creative. You're still an entrepreneur. And you're still doing the thing. Uh, do Amsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W Amsterdam.com. Learn more about the network. Learn more about the show. And on social media, it's at New Amsterdam. All that Instagram and at New underscore Amsterdam on that Twitter. Can't believe we're still an award-winning podcast. Shout out to the Lit Talent Awards or the LIT Talent Awards for giving us uh, the best talk show presentation of 2022. But enough about accolades. Enough about promotions. Well, I got one more promotion. SeatGeek, baby. <laughs> That's what I use when I go all throughout town and see sports, see comedy shows, and more. I use SeatGeek. Uh, use promo code FLOBITO. That's F-L-O-B-I-T-O for $20 off your first order. SeatGeek. Do it now. Okay, now for real, for real. <laughs> I, since I'm done doing promotions, let's talk about my guest today. Sarah Bettman is in the DEI space, and that's diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I want to pick her brains about how smaller businesses are addressing the need and drive for diversity. And well, to know the elephant in the room, to let the cat out of the bag, or whatever animal metaphor that you want to use, Sarah Bettman is a white woman. So I was really curious to see about her approach to helping out companies with their diversity plans with being a white person herself. And sometimes we have to ask the firm questions. I mean, we don't really ask hard questions on these shows. You know, I mean, I'm not trying to get gotcha journalism, but I was really generally curious. Maybe you can go along with me as well. But you'll notice that Sarah just has a love of making sure everyone is seen and heard. So that's really cool to see. We're back every Thursday with brand new episodes. Make sure to share the show uh, with everyone. And lastly, I know I said I was done with promotions. You know, if you want to see the video interviews weeks ahead of everyone else, there's only one way to do that. That's Patreon. Patreon.com slash Boys. We call it the Boisterous Crew. You get yourself some show notes, which is open to the public, which means you get to see the questions I ask my guests every week, but you want to be able to see the video versions of these talks, of these chats, weeks ahead of everyone else. Patreon.com slash Boys. We call it the Boisterous Crew. And now, enough of me rambling, it's now my time for my chat with Sarah Bettman. Welcome back to New Am Sam Radio, the podcast for creatives. It is I, the mayor of Flobo Boys, in the mayor's office with people 
and things are doing the dang thing. But my guest this week is Sarah Bettman, who's doing things in a space that I think I have some sort of knowledge of, but not a lot. That's why I have an ex expert. I bought in the big guns, so I go about diversity, especially in the workplace. Sarah Bettman, how's it going? It's going great. It's great to be here in the, the town of creativity. <laughs> yeah, I'll be in the mayor's office. In the uh, mayor's it, office. It's deep into uh, October, into November when this is airing. So how are you uh, coping with the, uh, the the decrease in temperatures? Good, good. I like fall. Fall is my time to settle in, hunker down, read a good book, which actually, speaking of entrepreneurs and business, it's a great reminder to right. figure out what the hell is going to happen in 2023. Oh, absolutely. I, I, cause I moved to Los Angeles about 15 years ago. I kind of forgot how cool it is to curl up with a good book. That's, that's definitely true. Uh, let's get down to brass tacks, uh, DEI, uh, diversity in the workplace. I know when I heard about you and what you're doing, um, I had a lot of questions about the photograph next to the description, Sarah, but, uh, those who can't see you, you are not a minority. <laughs> you are a person of black of color. You're, you're a white woman, just to be honest with you. So the idea of, of being about an advocate for diversity in the workplace, was that, do you get kind of that same kind of blowback from potential clients or customers or anything like that? Not from potential clients. Um, and I haven't gotten a lot of blowback because when people understand the space I play in and the swim lane and the very specific thing I work on, I think it makes sense. Now in yeah. general spaces, yes, there's noise about, especially white women, um, you know, usurping and taking work away from minority people all sorts of different conversations around that. And, um, but I actually, part of my work before I start this business is very clear. What am I doing to elevate the voices of other and to contribute, use my privilege of whiteness and, and middle-classness and ability to be an entrepreneur um, to open doors and make a difference that's meaningful. So I swim in working with early companies just beginning the work, shifting their mindset that created the problem in the first place. Because I see a lot of companies that move to strategy and they never answer the question, why, why bother even doing this? So I predominantly work with white male leadership teams that lead organizations and they want to do something. So they have enough in their heart that they want to make a change, but they're terrified how to start. And I'm, as a friend once said, I'm the warm up band. So when they're clear about what they're doing, then they hire a different practitioner or they hire a person of color or a, another um person to lead their initiative or promote someone, but I'm just get them started. And once they're clear what they're doing and what it's about for them, then someone else will take over and I'm just warming the, the field. So I think that's a place where my privilege is important. It's the privilege that gets me heard and actually be, get to be somewhat activist um, and, and make a difference. Well, you raise a good point uh, about being that, that warm up band, that tune up band. When did that, this, line of work become apparent to you as a direction you want to go into and then finding your niche within that. I know a lot of times when we start out as entrepreneurs, we go, I want to be the best at everything until we realize what we're really like specialized at. So what was that journey like for you going with the veteran group? Yeah. So I'm specialized in leadership development, creating high performing teams and cultures. So mm -hmm. that roots of that, I took a detour out of college being a firefighter paramedic. So if we didn't have a high performing team or you didn't have behavior change as a result of the things we were coaching and teaching, bad things happen. So there was always that consciousness and then consciousness around management, leadership, why, certain, why the best paramedic gets pro promoted to management. So that's the through line. And then about yeah. 15 years ago, I worked for a large health system 
and they did a lot a lot around health disparity and i think that really opened my eyes to wow people are having a very different experience when they go to the hospital or the doctors and the reason why are very different and mm -hmm. so i started to overlay that over a high performing team is an inclusive team. So so the the practices aren't that different except you need to understand some knowledge about difference whether it's racial difference, gender identity, neurodiversity, ability, whatever the difference frankly difference between different departments in your organization in order to be high performing. So just series of events I uh, worked for, with a consultancy did um, inclusive leadership globally, advancing mm -hmm. women in Kuwait, where some women show up, showed up in burqa to a women's leadership program and having to really disconnect any judgment and really understand how I can make an impact and advance women in the context that made sense for them. And India, where the caste system, the ghost of the caste system is alive and well and such, and then did inclusive leadership all over Latin America and Europe. So really starting to expand my knowledge of, we have a very US centric context but even then, New York versus LA versus San Francisco, the context and, and how the power dynamics work still, if you get away from kind of the macro of, of white male privilege, the, mac the next levels get a bit more complicated. That's when it started to get really fun for me because it became authentic. It's not about here's my six things you do to become inclusive. It's here's how you think about this and here's how you learn about difference, whatever the difference is. It might not be a demographic difference. It might be just someone has a different experience. Someone's introverted versus extroverted, you know, whatever. The leadership and the inclusive culture allows space for that and challenges us to learn and continue to grow. So that's how then I built a DEI program from scratch for a large Fortune 500. And I thought, I got something here. I'm going to go try it on my own. Yeah, and I like the fact you mentioned regional differences because that's a corporate way of saying East Coast versus West Coast beef. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so there, there's a lot of uh, culture is a thing that a lot of companies talk about now. It feels like that's like the the, the bullet in the chamber, so to speak, when a candidate is asked any questions for us. I was a um, corporate America alum. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. But that came from a very male-centric company that it was considered, well, that's just the boys club. Or, well, that's just the country club. Now, you had mentioned some of these companies are trying to learn. They actually have the drive to change. But why do you think that is? What was the real shift between this is how we get down, y'all, versus maybe this isn't the best way to do business? Yeah. Yeah. And I want to be clear, and this is where I'm probably different from other companies or uh, other consultants, is I believe an inclusive culture is a high-performing culture. Sure. I don't believe you have to have an inclusive culture. So there are organizations that are very clear about being anti-LGBTQ. They're okay with it. They it says it in their values. They will they uh, donate money, but they're in integrity. I know where they stand. I get to vote with my dollars and my feet and their integrity. And mm -hmm. so what's happening is companies are starting to recognize. So I work in male dominated fields. Alcohol beverage was one of the predominant spaces. And I think that was a very insulated industry for many years. So for example, distributors could be insulated and kind of have the boys club, but whether it's because daughters are moving up in the business and taking care of family business or competition for talent. So if you're looking for a commercial driver's license, you're competing now against Amazon, FedEx, 
those are different cultures and this industry is rising up and having to really think about these things in the same way that other larger companies have. So that's one of their challenges. Some of it's just strictly personal. I have one client where the CEO was in a men's group about race and um, really just kind of like, okay, I got to do something in this business. I'm leading the future of this company and I want this to be a part of it. So yeah. for me, it's what's important about it is that it's in their heart. There's a part of them that aches and wants to do this and just doesn't know how to get started. There are some people I talk to, it's in their head. They want to do it. They want to look good, be performative. They don't actually want to do the personal work or challenge the company to do the personal work needed to create inclusivity. And that's not my client. We won't get along. They'll hate me. I'll be too activist. They'll fire me, whatever it is. Yeah. But, um, but I think there's a number of things. Finally, the um, next generation, I mean, we can't not talk about the next generation does difference way different than me, Gen X and, and Boomer. They are more socially conscious. They're more aware about difference, certainly around gender identity and different um, um, identities around LGBTQ and transgender. And those are those are people. So Gen Millennial are for, in their 40s. They're middle management in your companies, and they just won't stay if 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 you're being a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. Um, yeah, maybe a, a, a half true, half false question. Because I've I've coming from experience also in entertainment. Uh, the many years I spent uh, working at broadcasting companies like like Fox and BET, uh, not breaking news, just the latest. Uh, and there was always a push for diverse writers' rooms, for example, people from all walks of life. And well, even though maybe it's me being cynical, so this is the view expressed only of this host on this show. There were different colors in the room. The perspectives and schooling were similar. And so there has to be a bit of a, a challenge underneath the layer to really get candidates or a culture from all different walks of life without being too intrusive when you're asking these questions at job interviews and the like. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's a, a couple things in that question. First, I will say there is a warning to your audience that we say, oh, well, we talk about diversity thought. What I challenge my leaders to think about, when you close your eyes and you think about diversity of thought, what's the makeup around the table? If you're white or usually you know, in a majority group, it's likely made up of people like you. Mm -hmm. So the challenge is, if you can think of diversity of thought, now this is getting to your question, and it's a diverse group of people, now we're getting somewhere. But you're right, like if the comfort is a certain style of communication, a certain, you know, kind of way of, of being creative, uh, the swim lanes are, are they're swimming in the same swim lane, that's not going to get you the benefit. You can have the, the diversity of, of color, say, in the room, in skin color, and that doesn't do anything. And so there's a couple of questions in there. Are the diverse or different or underrepresented people um, safe enough to bring their full self or are they twisting to be able to fit into whatever the norms of that company is which defeats the purpose it defeats the purpose even if they were all of the same um, demographic everyone twisting to be the same doesn't work that said it, it is it possible to find what is the thing a colleague of mine said this and I thought it was really a, a great example. What's the thing this team needs to be successful? What's the point of view that's not in the room? What is it that we need? So let's say you're writing for women. If there's no women in the room, that's not yeah. going to work for you. 
Or if you have women in the room, but they can't raise their voice or, or can't actually share their perspective because the other side isn't willing to hear it, that's not going to help either. So where is it that the whole group can celebrate those disparate points of view and then say, how does that contribute it to what we're trying to offer? Mm-hmm. Um, it's much more compelling than, okay, let's just make our demographic, our, our picture look good. Right, right. The, uh, the smiling guy in the brochure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. XYZ company. Uh, so you, in your experience, you've worked with brands, and I think I have some of them here, Lenovo, Procter & Gamble, Kaiser, you've traveled uh, in different parts of the world. Uh, in what ways would you say the needs of these companies are similar, and in what ways are they different? Yeah. Um, so Procter & Gamble is part of my role in my previous consultancy, and they were rolling inclusive cultures out and conversations around that to open the discussion and start the discussion. And being in primarily Latin America, what was the needs in Latin America? So obviously the race-based discussion is very different. Now that's coming out right now. There's a really interesting debate around being black in, in Latin America, but that wasn't present back when I was doing this. It was more even country of origin sometimes mm-hmm. and, and the power dynamics and kind of the norms that shut down that creativity you were talking about before. Um, so that for them, it's how you take a global organizations with multiple contexts and multiple people moving to create a fundamental culture that is contributing to the organization, contributing to the well-being of the employees. So I, I like to say stoked employees are productive employees, you know, are happy employees in, in that. So that was a little bit different because it was complex because also Procter & Gamble moves people. They want to have people have global experience, which is pretty cool because it's it's not trying to silo, but really giving a rich experience in a career. Where Lenovo, again, part of that consulting group, um, this client really was about how to integrate um, China and, and Chinese values with, with US values. And then they had Latin America and other global communities, but was pre- predominantly those, but it was how do we advance women? And so th- every company has something different, a different population that's important, a different context. A lot of some of the companies I work with right now are just US based, but mm-hmm. they have regional locations. So going back to our right. East, West or South, <laughs> Middle or whatever. Um, so that context, you probably heard me now say the word context no less than 42 times, we have to teach people what is the context we're trying that are showing up in this space that are contributing to this conversation because it's always different. So again, it's about critical thinking. It's about emotional intelligence. It's about leadership. It's not about executing on four-step model, at least in the phase when I talk about it. Yeah, this is I won't say very similar, just kind of like a, a it's like parallel. It's in the next pool over. One of my final jobs in, in corporate America, I worked with this giant 7,000 employee uh, loan, non-bank mortgage lender. And I worked in the HR department in social media marketing. So my job was to take the requisitions or the opening job openings and to make them cool for different segments. And so I would mm-hmm. write for, hey, you want to, you're a single mom, want to be a loan officer? Do this. Hey, you're a veteran, want to be a loan officer? It was the same job, but the idea was right. to make sure everyone was cool. And, and uh, I learned very quickly there's certain people I couldn't write for. 
right? Because yeah. I, I am, even though I am a minority by, by this definition, I am heterosexual. I, I am a, a able-bodied. Like there's certain things I couldn't write for uh, to get these requisitions out for certain segments of people. And that was really my first time going, oh, wait, there's 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 layers to this, bro. Um, so that was interesting for me, but I was in the trenches for that. And so it's very easy to think about it, but unless you are in it like you are or, or I was, then uh, it's kind of easy to, to miss. Well, and I have to say, um, I'd been doing this work for years and, and I was hiring for someone on my team and I wrote the job description for her. And I know all this, right? Neutral language, you can, you, you can gender all this stuff. And I, at the time, a vendor was trying to groom us to run resumes. I actually thought this was a great product. I'd give them a shout out if I remembered their name, but like they'd scan your resume and tell you exactly who you're attracting in the resume. And so they scanned it and I'm kind of like, oh, this will be cool because I know this stuff. I wrote it for me, <laughs> pretty much a white woman in mid 40s, me. And I was just yeah. like, wow, this is so insidious. And this is why we can't do this alone. We, we need someone to say, hey, Sarah, you wrote this for you. <laughs> like, right. do you want to rewrite this? I have some ideas how to change it. Or you use tools and softwares to catch yourself. You're absolutely right. Like, even knowing the bias that sometimes comes out in our communication, I wrote a job description for me. Yeah. Well, you know what? It probably can't be as bad as job descriptions nowadays. Hey, we're looking for rock star ninjas. You really know how to party. <laughs> like, oh, oh no. God. <laughs> Please <no>. run. <laughs> that, that company might not be a client of mine. <laughs> they no, might no. not be open to my coaching. <laughs> so we, we have a lot of business owners that listen to the show. Uh, do you have a radio podcast for creatives? And maybe they are contemplating having employee number one or number two or number four. Is there anything they can do on a very micro scale to open that conversation so it doesn't become a situation of having a thousand employees going uh-oh yeah well i'll be honest i'm trying to figure that out in the new business like it's one thing to hire in an institution that supports you and has structure and by the way pays the bills so sure. uh so a couple things that i'm actually dealing with right now is i'm not comfortable hiring person number one as far as an employee um, I'm, I'm still navigating the ebb and flows. I've been a year in business. The consistency of the pipeline, I don't trust it yet. So as I was telling a colleague, I don't want to get married yet and make commitments I can't keep. That, that just right. weighs on me. So right now it's contractor and I have um, project-based contractors and I have a couple that, that are with me to just more brilliant at me at doing things like my uh, virtual assistant and a project manager that just detail oriented and let me go head in the sky and do the things I love to do and, and keep me grounded. Um, but there's still contract and you know, it works out okay. Cause it works for them. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd like to see more consistency in my business. And I think one of the mistakes I see is there's sometimes a push to go, go hire someone and one person I did hire is a fractional CFO, and we speak every month for an hour. And she basically tells me, this is what you have to do to know if you can afford someone for a year. This is the buffer you need. And so it's straight math for me. And I don't feel confident that to maintain an emergency fund and I maintain a buffer. So that right now is my calculus. And until I build the business, um, I'm not going to worry about it. the other advice that I got from another entrepreneur is build the business. So this year I did it by myself. I'm exhausted. <laughs> and if you start Correct. a business, you, you know, but mm -hmm. it, I did it all right. So now I'm starting to think, okay, who else can do this, build it into the project plan. And then if the client says yes, then they're already paid for. 
And that starts to teach me. I'm not a finance wizard. I've, I've screwed up more than anyone on the financial side in life and in business. Um, but it helps me really feel safe so that if I do invite someone in as an employee, I want to pay them well. I want to give them benefits. And I want it to be a meaningful relationship having worked with me. And so I'm just doing that kind of foundational stuff to figure it out, meaning getting my money in order and getting the projects in order so that I can help someone else thrive while we as a large organization thrive. I have no idea if it's going to work. Ask me in a year, but that's where I am today. <laughs> I think it's a very universal thing where it's kind of like we're going to show up what we know and then put some time and resources aside for research and development for new segments and businesses. That's that's healthy healthy growth, to say the least. Uh, but I got I to gotta pick your brain about some tough questions, the toughest questions I have for you to this week. Uh, what is your favorite junk food? I just I need I need to know. You can't tell me you're healthy all the time. So when you go nuts, what do you go for? Oh gosh, um, bread with butter. A good French bread toasted with butter is and warm bread is just my giveaway. I okay. just I love it so much. Do you like roll into restaurants by the bread standards? You're like oh, I'm mixed more cheesecake factory versus no Texas Roadhouse. If it comes out warm and if it's sourdough, oh my yeah. god, I'm I'm done. Uh, Sardo was great. Actually, you know, as you mentioned this, when I had Sardo in San Francisco, i like, I get it. <laughs> it's, it's like having a Guinness in Dublin. This makes so much more sense. I, I think it's kind of in my blood. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, when, when you take time off, when you unwind day off, is there anything that you try to do to get the mental health to refill that cup? Outdoors. So my Instagram is sea to mountains. So people laugh. You live in Michigan where there's nary a sea or a mountain. Um, there is a lake, so it's close. But uh, my husband and yeah, my husband and I get outdoors. We hike, mountain bike, adventure. We have a van, so we're doing totally you know van life and stuff. But yeah, being out in nature, outdoors, not being able to look at my phone is probably the best way for me to refresh. Oh, wow. That's great. Because I'm totally opposite. I'm afraid of outdoors. There's mosquitoes out there, Sarah. <laughs> I can't do it. No, that's actually pretty good. I heard a lot of uh, uh, entrepreneurs try to get that mental space going, which is actual space. That's pretty cool. That you get to do it and enjoy all the different kinds um, of that. Uh, so I know you've traveled, but anything left on your travel bucket list? I mean, when the idea of being an entrepreneur, and I might spend time to explore, maybe on the business level, maybe on the personal level, where do you want to go in the company? Yeah, so I, I had a friend who had a full passport and I wanted, in the 10 years I had a passport, I wanted to fill my passport and had four pages left, a trip to Japan, New Zealand and Mexico City and then COVID happened. Aww. So I almost had a full pa uh, list. And, and the problem with my travels is like, I've been to Everest Base Camp, I've been to Dubai, I've been to Bangkok and every time I go, it adds more places on the list. So right now the focus for my husband and I are places that require physical exertion. And so we're going to go hiking in New Zealand with my niece, my, my brother and sister-in-law and friends in January. And then he's a big mountain biker. So let's go to Austria and let's go to all these different places that the world mountain biking races happen. Right. Because it's actually really fun when you see the race. We've been to Fort William. He's ridden Fort William and we get to watch him like, oh, you rode that. That's cool. Maybe not the track that the pros did, but, yeah. but you know, oh yeah, you were over there. So we're trying to anchor it in things and making sure it's physical and stuff that we can do now. We can save, save the city stuff for later. So New Zealand's the next one and probably some sort of mountain adventure here in the United States. 
it's funny that you said that because I Australia and and Japan are always on my bucket list, and Japan was definitely the 2020 thing. I was going to go and do comedy there, and then COVID's like, haha, you plan stuff, bro. Um, but I know everyone who goes to Japan never regrets it. So I figure it's such. That's uh, on my bucket list, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, just one more question before we get you out of here. You have the business; it's growing, it's thriving. But do you do the year goals? And if so, what does the next 12 months look like? 12 months, next 12 months is partnering and collaborating with people. So I'm not doing all the work. That's really important. And then I just got permission and you probably are going to laugh at this. My superpower is creating things, creating courses, creating experience. And I've always kind of prioritized that last. I got to make money first. And, and where I'm in my zone of genius is to be quiet and create, design a course, do these things. And I just listened to a podcast and got permission that you're a creator so you got to build your life about being a creator. It's not something you do on the plane or on the hotel room or whatever. That's your job. Like this will not exist if you don't create. So I'm still sitting with it because it's very different than the inertia of work that I was raised under. And you would know this with corporate. Mm -hmm. um, so really trying to create a life for me, recognizing that, yes, building a good business actually is me being a creator and not being a doer of the business things. And there are brilliant people out there and our business will be better for it if I let them do it and get the hell out of the way. So those two pieces are my goal. Hopefully I'll be able to tell you double revenue and engage team and stoke clients, um, but that's the plan. Yeah. And me not being on planes every single month of the year going to five different states. Oh yeah, because there goes my diet. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that about about the creative side because when I was doing the podcast network and I was doing the business side of things, like oh, this is automatic. It makes me feel like I'm I'm doing things, but the creative side is so important. But I always feel like I'm hanging outside after curfew, where like I should be yeah. doing something else, like opening a business account or something. But yeah, it's true. It's definitely part of part of. I should the, be uh, looking at my spreadsheets or something when yeah. it's like. <laughs> There will be nothing if I don't write. There will be nothing if I don't design experiences and coaching experiences or create time to be of service to my clients. And and so, yeah, that's that's a paradigm shift. Ask me later how it goes because, I again, I'm going to have to break some really considerable old patterns around busyness and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the idea of, ooh, I'm a diamond medallion traveler. Like, you mm -hmm. know, there's in corporate world, we're taught to measure our success in those ways. And I got to really work to unwind it or else I won't be in business. Well, I won't even be alive because <laughs> I'll just be so exhausted and tired. So let's check in in a year and see how I did. Either, well, I've noticed an experience that maybe make up with a third one, but the, the big forks are either like, yeah, either I got a team of people to handle that or I've become super fans of automating everything. But if you find something new, please come back and let me know. Because I will. Those are my two as well, except the problem is I've invested so much time and energy in all the automation and all these people um, because I didn't know what I didn't know. So I'm kind of resetting some of those and really now being able to define quality and what return on investment is. I think I wasted a lot of money and time this last year trying to invest in all the systems and tools and never actually really bought into anyone. So I've narrowed the, the, the softwares and the solutions, getting clear on the people and... I haven't found a third one, but I promise I'll tell you as soon as I find it. 
you hit the nail on the head. I feel like I feel like it's almost like blood in the water when someone's like, I'm starting a small business, everyone comes out of nowhere. Hey, we can get you more leads if we just fall into that. And this is why I don't I don't laugh anymore when I drive by a car dealership and see one of those like floating inflatable tube men. I go, someone probably did the same thing to them. Like, hey, you want to tell these cars? <laughs> so, <laughs> tell these tube men. Oh, Sarah Patman, thanks so much for being on the show. Oh, thank Everybody you for having me. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. I'm sorry we're in cross country from each other but this has been a blast oh yes it has we should have you back later on but now's the time to put everything over if someone wanted to connect with you they want to contact you maybe even hire you for a project how'd they go about doing that yeah so for me and speaking advancing women living your stoke life that's www.sarahbetman.com or c2 mountains on um, instagram and then on the diversity, inclusion, creating inclusive culture side, that's Bettman Consulting Group. We've got a great team that serve our clients. And you can find me on LinkedIn under my name, Sarah Bettman. Oh, fantastic. We're going to have you back to talk about automation and those mountain climbs and all that. <laughs> Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for having me, Flobo. It's been really fun. so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours.